Well, good morning. How are you today? Really, really good to be with you. My name is Jay Cole, one of the pastors here. And I want to tell you a family story, not necessarily my family, but a, a family story that began with a group of friends that included a group of strangers. They became a large family that actually impacted their community and in two years became part of the fabric of a society. Uh, it's a story of a gentleman named Michael Frost, who my wife and I had the opportunity to meet back in 2008. Michael's a, a professor, author, thought leader, um, has written some incredible books about how to engage strangers with the love of Jesus and become spiritual family. And uh, he's all about the mission of God. And so uh, in 2008, my wife and I were in Seattle. They had a heat wave that week. Uh, on the news, I recall it, they said it's 84 degrees, so be careful out there. Well, that just tells you a little bit about whatever their culture is used to. Um, 84 is uh, like part of our Easter celebration around here maybe, right? No, maybe not yet. Uh, but I remember hearing Michael, and uh, it was, uh, he was a keynote speaker. We became friends that week, and um, uh, I'd love to say that we shared some fine wine and fine chocolates, but it was probably a box wine and a bag of M&Ms, and we had just a great conversation. Uh, but I remember him talking about his community, that in two years they moved from friends to family who engaged these strangers who became spiritual family who really were in the fabric of their society. And it's a really cool story because they, they aren't artists in and of themselves, this small group of people that began to pray together, but they ended up uh, among some artists. Uh, so physical artists, yes, uh, musicians, but more artists in terms of paint and sculpting and those kinds of things. And uh, within the two-year period, the kind of the church happened by accident. They weren't setting out to plant a church. They were setting out to love on people, and then all of a sudden, church emerged. It's one of the best ways that it's been happening for millennia, by the way. And uh, somebody had given them facility, an older church that said, hey, we can't handle the financial burden of this. We're going backwards. Would you like our facility? We love the things that you're doing. And they said, sure, we'll assume responsibility. And they said, instead of just using our facility for ourselves to meet on Sundays for instance, why don't we use the facility as a community impact tool where the community can make um, use of what that space is? Did I mention they're in Australia? So anytime you hear this guy, Michael, speak, he speaks with that Aussie accent and you're just drawn in. Uh, anything he says, it could sound stupid, but it's like amazing because he has that accent. Well, nonetheless, as he told the story of his community, what they had discovered is most of the artists, and again, this is him telling a story, not me, so not judgment on the artist community, but for them, he said they were starving artists. And every artist we knew loved to somehow have their artistry on display. And they said, hey, we've got this facility. People love to come to it. Why don't you as artists actually post like an expose? And so what they did is they took artists one by one and they began to have these expose parties. And again, as he told the story, he said, the artists knew how to display their artwork, but 
but they hadn't thought about the administration, the hospitality, are we going to have food, should there be seats, uh, how do we actually make an invite so people know. And it was where the church people could come around with their expertise because they didn't know art, but they did know operations and they did know how to cook food and they did have some friends in the community they could invite and they knew how to do the marketing. And, and so they would do this artist after artist and about six in the news got wind of it, and they came in and did a cover story, and the society or the community, all of a sudden, uh, it just became the fabric of, of this small community. So, so how does a group of people by accident within two years become a family that loves on strangers like artists that has a building giving them, given to them free and clear where they actually become the fabric of society. How does that happen in two years? Well, here are a couple of things that they went after, and I've got six of them. The first being this. Uh, they oriented themselves to the mission of Jesus. They actually realized as a group of people that the mission of Jesus is what they wanted to be about in their lives. And what's incredible is, from God's perspective, mission isn't simply activity that we do, it's identity of who we are. So, so God's not just an activity God that does great stuff, which He is and He does, but by very identity, He is a missioning God and He invites us to be on mission with Him. So if we go back in the beginning of the human story, we see that God actually sends Holy Spirit hovers over the earth, and then we have the creation narrative. And then we see that the first man and woman, God actually sends them to go be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. And then all throughout the story, we see even to the time of Jesus where he says, just as the Father has sent me, so do I send you. That's what Jesus actually says to his followers, and it's true for us today. And what I love about us, Heartland, is yes, we are doing lots of activity on mission with God, but it's because we are identifying with God in His image. We, we do it because it's who we are, not just because of the activity that we do, which leads me to my second point. They, they saw themselves as sent ones by God. They were sent into the fabric of their community. Now, that story, these folks weren't professional people pastors like myself. They were everyday people who, um, they, they worked as nurses, and they worked as engineers, and they worked as social care workers, and they had small businesses. And so um, they, they saw themselves as sent into their family networks, into their workplaces, and into their community where they lived, worked, studied, and play. What else they did was they actually started with prayer. And this is the thing that captivated me the most. So this band of people got together, and for the first six months, all they did was ask God this question, God, to whom are you sending us? Because they want to be on mission, and because they see themselves by identity as sent ones, they simply ask God the question, to whom are you sending us? Now, that wasn't the only thing that they did. I mean, they journeyed together as they did life, so they'd have meals, and they'd go to each other's kids' games, and they just, they did life together, but they continued to ask this question, God, to whom are you sending us? The other thing they did is they kept it really simple. Because they were workaday Joes and Janes, 
They, they didn't have a lot of discretionary time, but they wanted their faith to have an impact for themselves, for their family, and now for the new friends. So as they prayed, God, to whom are you sending us? God brought them right in the middle of an artist community. And I don't mean a downtown district that was artsy. I mean a group of people that loved the arts. Plopped them right in the middle And they said, okay, how can we move from being strangers to being friends to being family? And many of these folks in the simplicity of what was going on discovered who Jesus was. And what they didn't do in the simplicity is try to make sure they got it all buttoned up before they moved out on mission with God. Well, one of the last things that they did uh, is they, they looked for what I call prevening grace. So if I say to you, we convened here at 11 o'clock, you'd know what that means, right? But if I said to you, hey, 8 o'clock this morning, there were some things that were taking place in this very room that you may not know about, some prevening things. So for instance, the prevening things at 8 o'clock, you may not know this, we've got a a pre-service prayer team that actually walks Uh, uh, throughout this auditorium and just praise for all the things that happen together as a spiritual family at the 9 o'clock service and the 11 o'clock service. And they actually will sit in specific seats and and pray for you, uh, not by name because we don't know who's going to necessarily sit there, but they just ask for God encounter and for openness. Uh, That's the prevening thing that's happening before the convening thing at 11 o'clock. And so this group of people, is they're just looking for, where is it that God's already at work in our community that we can simply join? Now here's what's really cool about these six things. Can we put them on the screen here quick? They didn't come up with these six things. And in fact, there's a lot of folks throughout history who have been doing these very kinds of things and they have gotten the same kinds of results of spiritual family that impacts the fabric of a society that in quick order folks come to know Jesus like the community of artists. Where did it come from? It actually comes right from the heart and life of Jesus. So we've been in the middle of this study together of the book of Luke. We're actually in Luke chapter 10. And uh, so those six points were borrowed right out of Luke chapter 10. So what I'd like to do is just read. We can look to the screens and we'll read what Jesus actually has to say about this and where it comes from. So take a look. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out on ahead of him. That's the prevening grace. He wanted to see what's going on ahead of what's about to happen. They sent him out two by two into every town. So you can imagine these uh, 70 that get sent out, there's 35, 36 teams and pairs that are getting sent out into every town and place where Jesus was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. So he's using an agricultural metaphor uh, in terms of harvest. And he's saying, hey, when you go into the towns, just have your eyes open because there's a lot of God activity that's already taking place, prevening grace. Just keep your eyes peeled and look for what's happening. The harvest is plentiful, but he says the laborers are few. We, we need more folks to do the work. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Remember that prayer. For six months they prayed, God, to whom are you sending us? All right, let's continue. 
Jesus says, go on your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Well, that's a fun statement. But that's often how we can feel when we get out on mission as sent ones. It can feel difficult. We can feel incredibly vulnerable. And I think it's actually a setup from Jesus to say, hey, you can depend wholly on me in the middle of this messy thing called mission that is actually exhilarating and fun. And then to go further, see if this encourages you, hey, carry no money bag. Could you imagine going on a trip without your wallet or without Apple Pay? I mean, you'd say, you wouldn't send your kids out in that environment, and yet Jesus is saying, hey, this is ministry 101. I want you to go out. It's going to be hard. Don't take a wallet. Give me your cell phone. Then he goes on further. Don't take a backpack. Well, where am I supposed to keep my sunscreen, my water bottle, right? No sandals. And don't greet anyone on the road. He's not saying, hey, don't be hospitable to people. He's saying, stay focused on the mission that is in front of you, because these guys were being sent out on a mission. Then he says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And again, they're looking for the grace of God, the peace of God that already exists there. You'll hear it further. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. He goes on further to say, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house whenever you enter a town and they receive you. Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But... Whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. So you can see those six points that we're talking about just embedded in the way of Jesus as he sends out these 72 missionaries, and, uh, and he's really, he, he's teaching them how to practice, but he's saying, hey, let's go be on mission. Let's go do this thing and know that I'm going to be with you and have an impact in the town and the kingdom of God will seem near. So here's what's interesting of the story of the artists in Australia and this passage of Jesus that gives us kind of a pattern of how to go about this. We know that, that in this room and in our church, there are a lot of pioneers who are pointing their arrows out, as we say, who are making a difference in the city, who are saying, hey, I am on mission with God. I know that I'm a sent one. I know who I'm sent to. For instance, we have a gentleman named Mike Farmer. He works with um, Gracious Promises, and he's got a team of allies, and they go into the jail systems, both men and women. In fact, many of our, our, that community loves to sit up front, and they've been to some of our services. There's a dance party that breaks out with those guys during the worship, and it's just amazing. So Ma uh, Mike and his team have said, we know we're sent to these folks, and, and when we step in, God's already there, and we bring the good news, and transformational stuff happens. It's incredible. 
Or for instance, Amy Ames with the, um, the foster care and adoption. Many of us as families are really involved in all that that is, either in the fostering directly, or maybe you've adopted, or you're a part of the community for support. And, and the desire there is just how can we love on kids who just need to be a part of the family because things have broken down for them. And so we just applaud that that is in the heart of our community. We, we also have like the Fagans and the Wrights and the Howards who do our food pantry week after week. And I know many of you may be a part of that team. Or we have what's called harvesters. Once a month, we feed the food insecure from around the city. It's just an incredible way to say, hey, how can we give you a hand up not a hand out, as you just continue to move forward. So there's so many practical things, and those are just three that I mentioned in our community. There are dozens more like that that we formerly partner with, and for the dozens that we formerly partner with, there's dozens more represented even in this room of uh, things that are anonymous to Heartland proper, but they're not anonymous to the people that you are loving on and moving toward and bringing who Jesus is to that place in a way that says, this is tangible and this is transformational in my life. So here's the reality. There may be some of us in the room this morning that say, I don't even really understand what it is to serve in that way on the mission of Jesus. But I want to say to you that, that you may just be on your own mission just to discover who is this God is God actually real? You could be here this morning just wondering, is there a God and, and does he care and is there any relevance to who he is, to who I am, and to the daily life that I live with, with a spouse or in my schoolwork or at my job or in the tough times or in the happy times? And, and the reality is, and the answer to those questions is, yes, God came in the form of Jesus to bring life to the full to every one of us. But the reality is, if you are on your own mission of searching out who this God is, I mean, wouldn't it be silly for you to trust somebody you don't even know as a person the first time you met them? I mean, you wouldn't do that. That, that would be nonsensical for us to say, hey, I'm going to trust you with all the things that you say and the things that you have for my life, but I just met you. So we wouldn't want you to do that with Jesus either. We'd actually say, hey, explore who this Jesus is. Begin to discover, is he who he says he is? Can he actually be trusted with the things that he says? Does he have relevance for the life that I have? Can I have a, an encountering, ongoing personal relationship with this Jesus? Well, one of the best ways to do that is to join us in the reading of the Luke because we, we see who Jesus is and the things that he does. And, and you can do that by going to the app and it says the journey. You can jump in there. You can get a hard copy in the hub. We'd love for you to have that. But I just, I'm just curious, for those of us that are sitting in here, and how many of you have read the Bible and it changed your life? I just would love to hear maybe an applause if that's true for you. So if you're wondering about that, I hope that that's encouragement enough. There was, I'm glad it wasn't just like three of us. But there's enough to say, I've read the bestseller, and it doesn't disappoint. And I just dare you to read Luke and discover that Jesus not only loves you, but he'll transform your life. He'll meet you right where you are. 
and you'll begin to see he's got a great mission. He's on mission for you. He's on mission towards you. You can be a part of that great mission. Matter of fact, you don't have to believe. You can belong first and you can figure it out. I mean, Jesus is, he just wants to include and say, hey, let's go do this and let's get on that journey. It's a fabulous thing. Well, five years ago, my family and I moved to Kansas City. I say five, almost five this uh, coming June. And in coming, um, the, the, the six things, and if you could just put them all up on the board, that'd be great, except for that highlighted one. Um, w- when we came, we came here because we were already oriented to the mission of Jesus. My wife and I just had a sense that God wanted to relocate us to make a contribution. We saw ourselves already as sent ones so that every morning when we woke up and stepped out the door, we knew we were sent by God. And we began to pray, and we felt like God had led us here. And we said, okay, let's journey, let's keep it simple, and then let's look for how God's at work. And so one of the things we did is related to, I I help out with our missions, I give oversight, and uh, we were thinking about international missions. So began to ask God, God, where on the planet might you have us as a community to make contribution? And, and four places have risen. India, which we partner with a girl's uh, home there with Coven, India Covenant Homes. That's already in motion. We, uh, Kenya came on board. Scotland came on board. And then Guatemala came on board. But that's three or four years ago when we began to sense what God's doing, but we just had to see the grace and the things that are happening. So many of you might hear that we've been over to Scotland a number of times and say, why do you guys keep going over to Scotland? Well, here's the reality. Scotland and the UK is what we're about to become in terms of our religious experience. The church in America is moving to the same place. Did you know that fewer and fewer people come to church on a Sunday uh, year after year? Fewer and fewer people are coming to church to find out about their spirituality. That was the phenomenon in Europe to the point now they are 2% or less churched, less than 2%, which means unreached people group. And so as we go there, we begin to see our future. And so they've taught us about the power of the Holy Spirit. They've taught us about how to pray. They've taught us about how to live our faith in normal ways where we live, work, study, and play because they don't have the luxury to have gatherings like this with inspirational talks and all the marketing and the sexy because people don't come unless they go to where they are. And they've taught us about being on mission, being sent ones, and how to have the the power of prayer, how to keep it really simple, and how to look for that uh, prevening grace and how to do it in community. And so they've been training us. You have actually been feeling that and didn't know where it came from. Now we're making contribution back and saying, hey, we've got people. We have some money and time resource. How can we partner up? And so you may recall a gentleman named Aaron Elder who's come here. Uh, Hopefully his wife will join in the next trip. And he's spoken to us. We are partnering with their church in a very tangible way. In fact, we've got a team of folks who will be there this week to capture stories that will help us understand what it's like to live in their context. And our desire is, come 2021, to have interns, three or six interns, post-college folks who say, I want to go for a year, Uh, not just the novelty of being in Scotland, but actually to go there to make an investment and contribution and to grow and to learn. So the team that's going to be there next week, here's what I'd like to do. 
I'd love to take a, a video that you guys could greet them because now we're partnering as a sister church and you just say, hey, Ox Gangs, can we do that together? We're going to bring the, the lights up and I'm going to have you practice and I'm going to get back here and get the video. You guys good with that? Can we practice? Count of three, you say, hey, Ox Gangs. Hey, Ox Gangs. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, Ox Perfect. Now we'll double the volume. All right. You guys ready? One, two, three. Oh, we gotta do it again. You know what? I, I premature pushed. Here we go. One, two, three. You got louder on that one. I tricked you into it. Well, we'll get hopefully some feedback from them and we'll tell you more about that. But right now, we're focusing on Kiritiri, Africa. It's Kenya, Africa. Uh, we've got an initiative that we wanna jump into for three years. And we, we need your help. Prayer support. We're going to invite folks. We need a team of 100 folks who say, hey, for, for the three years, $50 a month, we want to make that contribution for community sustainability in the community of Kiritiri. So the way that it began, this partnership for us, there was a gal named uh, Florence Miundi who walked in our doors. We happened to be praying about three years ago out by the light box. She came in. We were praying, she told us prayer stories, and we began to pray with one another. Again, three years ago, it got birthed in prayer, and we've been doing due diligence for three years to say, how could we partner in what's going on? And what's exciting is, is we have um, some friends that I'll introduce in a moment who said, we'll take it on, we'll be the point people, we'll create community, and we'll get this off the ground so that we as a church can have an impact across the world in the mission of Jesus. But before they come, I'd love for you to hear this gentleman, Jay Mundi, the, the, the son of this gal who I met in our doors three years ago, and he'll tell us a little bit about what this partnership is. Take a look. Hi, everyone. My name is Jay Mundi, and I serve with Life in Abundance here in Nairobi, Kenya. As Life in Abundance, we work to serve the most vulnerable communities across Africa and the Caribbean. And we do so by empowering the local church to realize that they have all the tools, the abilities, and the skills needed to be salt and light, to bring transformation and bring hope uh, to these, a lot of these vulnerable communities. And we do that by empowering them, uh, by coming alongside them and giving them uh, trainings, uh, by starting different projects, um, and basically giving them the courage to know that they have legs to run and we partner with them over a short period of time and after that kind of release them to take off and you know transform their communities so when befriend came along it was this beautiful marriage of partnership between the church in the u.s the local church in in the u.s and a local community church in um, many of the vulnerable communities that we work in and it became this very tangible way to not only extend a hand, but also begin the journey of transformation, the journey of teaching uh, these communities that although this is a gift of food, of resources, um, they can use that to multiply. They can use that to um, bring hope uh, to vulnerable families that will be selected to receive these food packages. But also this becomes an entryway for them to realize what transformation looks like and from that multiply and begin to build sustainable initiatives, whether it's starting actual feeding programs in their local churches, whether it's transitioning that to start a primary school, um, 
it gives them a kind of confidence, um, a boost in, in, in a way, to basically help them realize that transformation is possible and we're grateful. Grateful for you for taking this step, uh, this courageous step um, to step into this project. And we know, we know without a doubt that you will see the life, you'll see hope, and you will, you will see the impact that this will make, um, a generational impact. Uh, and really we'll see the impact in your community as well. So thank you and welcome to the journey of transformation. Okay, can we give a hand for Allison and Derek and Ellie and Lily. Lily. <laughs> Lily. Great. Well, these have become dear friends and they're really excited about what's happening in Kiritiri, Africa, and they want to tell us about it today. So about a year ago, Derek and I um, met in my office. He told me, hey, I'm in transition of jobs. And I said, what do you think about Africa? He said, we've been praying for it about 10 years. I said, well, let's take a trip because we've got to get this thing off the ground. And uh, so imagine two guys our size <laughs> in, um, yeah. in economy, uh, window seat, mm. aisle seat. <laughs> Quite the trip. Uh, yes. Um, so, Derek, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Befriend Kiritiri. Yeah, so after that, you know, my therapist and I got through that plane trip together. Um, <laughs> Kiritiri is a combination of, as Jay talked about, Dr. Florence from Wendy walked in three years ago, and she leads life in abundance for 25 years. And so, Befriend, think of it like a wrapping around three organizations. Life in abundance, on ground, expertise on developing sustainable communities. Um, Lifeline, local, helps kind of logistics, and then Cartland Community Church and our community. And so that's what Befriend is, and what we're going after is a three-year, we're going to enter and release to this curatory community uh, in about an hour and a half outside of Nairobi. And the idea is creating a sustainable community, and that means something different to you and I. If they call up a picture here in a second, uh, you'll see a picture of these awesome women uh, these are community health evangelists, and this is a community about two towns away from where we'll be, where they're bringing chickens to community, people in the community, these guardian families, and those chickens are there to multiply. And so one piece is that's a way to give them food security. Next is sanitation, then is education, and education, you know, not like we're worried about our kids getting into KU, education of our kids getting into elementary school different perspective. And so we're going to go around this for a three-year initiative um, to just be, come alongside them and make this community different for a whole different generation and ours. Wonderful. Well, I love that you guys are in it together, in it together as a family, in it together as a larger community. Yeah. So, Allison, I, I know this, this could be a little bit scary. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> but I think it's so important for folks just to hear your heart and to tell us in terms of well, how can Heartland be involved? Well, our vision is to create a community that is um, where people can belong and be known. Uh, we want to get together on a regular basis to pray for Kiratiri, to have connection with each other, um, and if we're involved, probably to have some fun and some food. Maybe a trip. <laughs> yes, and we'll be traveling. We'll be getting together to um, come up with ideas on how to... Uh, raise money to travel, and then we'll be traveling together and hopefully bringing back um, what we've learned to make our own community better. Fabulous. Well, Derek, tell us what's next. Okay, so the next step, you're going to see some awesome people like this, less like this, more like this, with this sign out there. We have two tables. Um, we're looking for three-year commitment, $50 a month, 100 givers, and we'll allow 101 if needed, so um, don't worry. Um, for the people who've already given, we've got about 25 in it that we'll call those our befrienders. Um, we're already starting to grow this momentum. And so 
all I say is, don't worry about money. Don't worry about this. Come talk to us. Sign up. Our next big thing is on March 8th. Someone from Life in Abundance is going to be here. They're going to talk about what it's like, what trips look like. First trip is targeted in November and two trips a year. So at minimum, come say hi to these lovely ladies. Follow them with their great signs. But this is the vision, plus you, plus this, stories. It's about creating God stories and connecting that way in community and bringing it back here. So what is that? March 8th? Did I say March 8th? You did. I thought I did. See? Yeah. So it's keeping me on track. So March 8th. So yeah. That's why why we have you guys up here as a couple. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Hey, let me pray for you guys and for us. Awesome. Thank you. Father, we just say thank you for the opportunity to connect with uh, Kiri Tiri and Life in Abundance and the privilege it is for us over the next three years to learn, to grow, and to have an impact uh, half the world around. So we ask, Lord, that you continue to, to strengthen us in this partnership. And we know that you will provide. And we give it to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. So good. Yep, give me a round of applause. Well, listen, we're going to just invite you to stand. And here's what I'm going to ask. Um, go ahead and stand with us. The worship team is going to go ahead and lead us. Would you over the next week just pray, God, to whom are you sending me? Maybe that's a simple prayer that would rise in your heart. Would you, as you go, you can be a way maker. You can join God on mission in a place called Kiritiri through prayer. There's other ways to do that in giving. Maybe you're part of that 100-person team that says, yes, I can make that kind of commitment and that kind of contribution. So I'm just going to invite the the worship team to, to sing us out into a great week. We just say we love you. It's great to be a part of a family. It's great to be on mission with God. It's great to be sent ones. It's great to ask God the questions, to whom are you sending me to?